Welcome to Between the Mics Podcast 2021 edition. I am one half of your team, Ty Ferguson. On the other half, Austin Smith. And we are coming to you tonight to break down all things 2021 Georgia Bulldogs. Um, so let's just get right into it, honestly. Coming off a, a solid season last season, we were 9-2. and two. Um, Obviously, we lost to arguably the, the two toughest teams on our schedule, Alabama and Florida. Um, both pretty convincingly, I would say. Um, coming off a good bowl win against a tough Cincinnati team, a Cincinnati team that's open in this season as a top-10 team and a dark course to make the playoffs. So I thought that was a really good segue into a good offseason. Um, strong recruiting class again. We all know at this point, Kirby Smart, every single season he's going to be here. We're always going to be near the top in those recruiting rankings. Um, we got three really solid transfers with – Tyke Smith, Darion Kendrick, and Arik Gilbert, who unfortunately at this time is is not with the team right now, but is expected to show back up eventually and contribute pretty heavily. Um, so let's just get right into previewing the upcoming season. Um, but how both like how do you feel about this season? So as you said, you know I thought we came off a solid year last year. Uh, the two losses, like you said, against the two best teams on our schedule, and. They weren't big surprises. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I thought we would be a little bit more competitive in the Florida game. That seemed to be the game where the Stetson Bennett fairy tale finally came to an end. Uh, and then just a depleted linebacker core just led to a flurry of wheel routes out, mm-hmm. like uncovered out of the backfield and uh, just led to them getting ahead of us and just pulling away mm-hmm. uh, very quickly. Uh, the Alabama game, good first half, but once again, just not having that, you know, QB that a type of program like Georgia, Alabama, Oklahoma, Florida, those blue bloods, the caliber of QB that we should have, we just couldn't compete when it became mm-hmm. a high-scoring matchup there in the second half. Yeah. This year, uh, with that guy in JT, I do think that we're going to be in contention for the college football playoff for a national championship. And obviously, to get there, we'd also need to be either SEC champions or SEC champion runner-up, depending on how you know, the rest of the college football landscape plays out as far as wins and losses go. Uh, you know, the two toughest games on our schedule, Florida and Clemson, other than that, I really, it would have to be a major slip-up, maybe Missouri. Uh, I don't think that we would lose both of Florida and Clemson. Mm-mm. At most, I think we're going to end the regular season with one loss. So I think either 11-1 and or 12-0, and that might seem – obviously kind of biased coming from Georgia football podcast, but if you were to look at the schedule, it just tell me where the losses are yeah. outside of those two. And you really do you not think that Georgia's the type of team who's going to at least win one of those two? And really Florida, it doesn't feel like they should be in the same stratosphere. It seems like this year, after all of their uh, losses, particularly at the QB position, I know Dan Mullen is a heck of a, you know, like QB developer, but that's still a huge loss. We're talking about a guy who was a Heisman contender for the bulk of last season. I think that might be a little bit to overcome. I think they're losing some other key guys on offense and defense. So uh, I think we should be the clear favorite in that game. Uh, and I think this is finally the year where it's playoff or bust for Kirby, just yeah. because of the way that the rest of the SEC and the schedule has aligned. Mm-hmm. Uh, no more excuses. As far as Bama goes, you need to finally beat them. That's the one thing that's hanging, leaving him out to drive. You know, people will bring up playoff uh, success and how we've only been to the playoff one time, and they'll, you know, compare him to someone like Ryan Day or to Lincoln Riley who've been to the playoffs more. But they haven't had a program like Alabama yeah. that they've had to go through in order to get to the playoff. Mm-hmm. Two years in a row, or, or there's been twice where we've had to play Alabama where if we would have won, we would have went to the playoffs. Whereas those two programs don't have a team like that in their conference where they had to battle like that yeah. to get in. So I think, you know, if Bama wasn't there, there's two years right there we would have been in. Yeah. Uh, so I think this is the year where we finally have to get over the hump. And if we don't, I wouldn't say that Kirby gets on the hot seat, but I think he starts getting a reputation similar to that of Mark Rick, yeah. where it's, you know, you're producing great seasons, but if it's not ending in a national championship, what all does it really mean? Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you on everything you've said. Um, 
looking at the just the schedule and how it plays out, honestly, I think the Clemson game on Saturday might be the only game on the schedule that's within question. We're going to be double-digit favorites uh, in every single game that we play. It's just the fact of the matter. I mean, even the game in Jacksonville, I, I think we're going to be favored by probably 12 or 13 points just because this is going to be the most talent top to bottom that Kirby has had since he's been at UGA. Absolutely. I think the 2017 team, I mean, you talk about Nick Chubb, you talk about Sony, uh, Roquan Smith, obviously those are alpha football players, but we don't have the past we game don't, that we have. We just, or, we're going to have we're going to have depth this season that is just completely unmatched from any other season, any other team in the SEC not named Alabama. I mean, we have guys who could be our third string that could be starting at 12 of the other 14 SEC schools. I mean, it's just a matter of fact. Yeah. The only uh, I mean, position group of concern heading into the season is the secondary. Yeah. Uh, particularly with Taiki uh, being out for what looks like maybe the first maybe game or two mm-hmm. of the season. But when he comes back, you know, people are still putting that as a position of concern. But when he comes back, yeah, we're going to have like two <clears throat> All-American caliber yeah. guys on the outside plus two mm-hmm. uh, at the back at safety in Lewis Seen. Yeah. So I mean, well, like you just mentioned, we'll have Tyke Smith. Obviously, he's coming off an All-American season last year at West Virginia. And then we have the transfer that I mentioned, Darion Kendrick, coming in from Clemson, playing his former team week one. He was All-ACC. A lot of people thought if he would have declared for the draft last year, um, notwithstanding some personal issues that he had that have since been cleared up, that he could have gone first round. So we'll have an All-American back there. We'll have Darion Kendrick all ACC already at the top ACC school. And then we'll have arguably Keely Ringo if he ends up winning that position battle, like I think me and you both think he will. Um, 6'2", 205 corner. Um, fourth Amazing o- athleticism. Yeah, runs a 4'4", 40. Uh, I mean, he's the, he was the fourth rated player in the class of 2020 recruiting class. I mean, he's going to turn into a lockdown corner. I mean, he is, he's got, he's too many, has too many intangibles to not work out. And then you'll also have Lewis. To at least be solid. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you'll have Lewis Seen back there, who was a pretty strong, solid, strong safety for our defense last year. And I've heard a lot of people thinking that he could be on his way to an All-American type season. I've seen some mock drafts and some draft rankings that have him as one of the top safeties in next year's class. So, I mean, we could be... And Dan Rennie puts him as one of the yeah. leaders of our defensive yeah, unit absolutely. as absolutely. Well. I mean, he's a headhunter. I mean, he's a guy you don't want to catch a drag route across the middle he will take your head off as we saw when he obliterated Kyle Pitts last year um, do you agree on my uh, statement that this has to be the year 100% because my question to you would be when are we going to have more talent than what we have and when are other teams going to have less experience than what they have because we have Alabama Ohio State Clemson Florida all losing QBs mm-hmm. and the, we can agree that those are like four of the five powerhouses, with the fifth one being Oklahoma. And the only way we would see them is in the college football playoff. Yeah. So you take in the fact that we have a returning stud, and then all these other guys are losing their QBs, which is definitely the most important position on the field. We saw it last year with Georgia. Georgia was as talented as these other teams at every single position on the field outside of QB. Mm-hmm. And the result was that in the two games we played, those teams that had comparable matchups at every other position – we got blown out because yeah. they had the stud at QB. Yeah, absolutely. I absolutely agree with you that if not now, when? I mean, we have to. We have to win the SEC. We have to make the playoff. This has to be a statement year to show every. I mean, to show people around the country that Georgia is a program to be reckoned with. I mean, we're the at this point. I mean, you go on Twitter. Any prediction you ever see a national media writer say, hey, watch out for Georgia. I mean, you look at the mentions, and I know me and you have both been just infuriated by it. Oh, they'll lose the big one. Oh, they'll lose the big one. 1980 this, 1980 that. It's time to prove people wrong. It's time that we break through and actually do something and break that stigma that's been around our program. And, I mean, I'm going to give you two reasons that you've already – I think you've already mentioned one, JT Daniels. 
To win a national championship in college football today, you have to have an explosive offense. You have to have an explosive offense, and to have an explosive offense, you have to have a game-changer at quarterback. Jake Fromm is good and up and down as he was. Yeah, great, he, game manager. Game manager isn't going to break the bank and win you a ball game with his arm. He just wasn't. Um, I think JT can. You look at the last five national champions, who their quarterbacks were. You had Mac Jones last year, arguably the worst of the bunch, but just because he was throwing to freaks at Alabama. He had Devontae Smith, who caught everything. And you go before that, you have Joe Burrow, number one overall pick. You have Trevor Lawrence, number one overall pick this year, already been named a starter for an NFL team. You go back even farther than that. I mean, Tua. Tua. Jalen Hurts. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. All these guys are starting quarterbacks in the NFL. You have to have game changers under center. And I think we have finally found ours with JT. Um, The next thing you have to have, you have to have a solid front seven. And I think Georgia's is the best in the country. I mean, no one, no one, no one will be able to block Jordan Davis. He will eat a double team every single play to allow N'Kobe Dean to Jerome and make tackles all night long. I think Jordan Davis is going to be an All-American. I think he's going to be a first-round pick. And that's not even mentioning other guys like Trayvon Walker, Jalen Carter, Devontae Wyatt, uh, Quay Walker. I mean, well, then, all um, over these, all over the field. And then you add in, like, the coaches. So we've already got an amazing defensive coordinator in Dan Lanning. But then to add a guy like Muschamp, mm-hmm. who's been a head coach at several programs, yes. a defensive coordinator at several big-time programs. Yes. And now he's just an analyst to help your defense. Yep. And then you get a guy from West Virginia who led the number one pass defense last year mm-hmm. in the country. Yep. And I just think it's all brewing together at the right time. I think, yeah, I, I'm with you. I think everything I think is this will just, be the best defense that we've had. I really do think so. I mean, I don't think a single team – I'm going to – I'll just put it out there. I don't think a single team will rush for 100 yards against us this year. Yeah. I think it's going to be – very similar to the early 2010 Alabama defenses. I mean, you had, I mean, all those defenses that they had with Nick Saban and Kirby when he was there winning national championships with um, freaking Jake Coker and A.J. McCarron. I mean, they were giving up like nine points a game. Well, now we might be living up to a little bit of the bias in the Georgia football <laughs> Yeah. As far as points scored, I don't think we'll be in that stratosphere no. uh, just because of the way that the secondary The secondary yeah. early in the season may hurt us. Yeah. We'll take some lumps there, but even just – in general, just the way yeah. uh, offenses are in today's college yeah, football landscape. Absolutely. They'll put up some points, but I do think we have the, the potential to be a very aggressive yeah. unit with uh, takeaways. And with a better offense, I think Kirby will be allowed to have a more aggressive defense than yeah. ever. Uh, I'm turnovers more this year Definitely. than in years past. So just to kind of go into continuing to break down this upcoming season, um, who is one player on offense that you're most excited to see this year play? So I had this as most promising player on offense. So I'm going to give you two. I'm going to have one is just that title, most promising player on offense, and then the person who I think is going to have the breakout year. Okay. So most promising, uh, not going to throw anything crazy out there, I think it's going to be JT. Yeah. Uh, and the reason for that isn't even necessarily because he's the best player on offense. But it's because of the embarrassment of riches that we have at every other position to the point where I don't think anyone's necessarily going to have gaudy statistics uh, just because we have so many wide receivers, we have so many talented tight ends, so many talented running backs, and I think JT's going to be the one constant spreading this out all over Mm -hmm. the field. I think he's going to have some pretty impressive statistical numbers. Uh, So he would be my most promising player. And then my breakout, particularly early in the season while – our wide receiver room looks like it might be slightly banged up, but you know, getting healthy at the right time would be Marcus Rosamy. Yeah, uh, you were high on him last year. Yeah, super high on him last year. Nothing's changed. <laughs> uh, just got injured, but he's back. 6'2", 187 pounds. Uh, Burton was the big breakout guy last year, and I think it'll be his turn this year. All the keys on him coming into last year was that he was amazing in short space, has amazing quickness, uh, great possession receiver, and has incredible route running. My favorite thing in a wide receiver is great hands and the ability to get open. Everything yeah. else is just extra. Yeah. You look at all the elite receivers in the NFL, it's not the guys who have the blazing speed. That certainly helps. But if you can get open, that's mm-hmm. the first thing that you need, and then you need to be able to catch the ball. That's yeah. it. <laughs> yeah, 
Absolutely. <laughs> Don't give me the guy who runs a four two and has bricks for hands. I want the guy who can get open. Give me seven, eight yards. Yeah. That's it. Absolutely. I love that pick. I think Marcus Rosamy was having a really good, solid season before he broke his ankle against Florida. I mean, he had a touchdown in that game that, I mean, he was really showing some flashes that he was going to be a solid contributor up for us just even last year. So I definitely think that Marcus could have a big year this year. For me, um, it's similar to what you did. It was a guy that I was really high on last year. It's Kendall Milton for me. I mean, I am all aboard the hype train. I think he's going to be the starter by the season's end. Um, Zamir, benefit of the doubt, is going to be the starter, week one. But I think by the end of the season, Kendall Belton's going to be too good to keep off the field. He averaged six yards of carry last year. He's a tough runner, has plus speed. And every, and what I love about him is like you never saw him get tackled backwards. Every single time he ran the ball, he ran it hard. He ran with his head down, just straight into people, finishing runs, aggressive runner. And that's what I love to see about him with a running back. I don't like the running backs that are just going to step out of bounds. I want to see them lower their shoulder, get those extra two yards, and punish people when they're – if you want to tackle me, I'm going to make you Absolutely. Miss, like, earn it. I mean, Kenny is my favorite back in the backfield, but as far as who the best is, I think it is Kendall. Yeah. And he's the one that – you know, everybody said it last year, he kind of gives you Chubb and Gurley vibes yeah. with the way he runs. And, I mean, that's not to be uh, said lightly. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're talking about two absolute studs, not only in college, but in the NFL. Yeah. So – And, I mean – Everything you've heard out of camp is Zamir Watt's having a pretty solid camp. I mean, everybody said that he slimmed up. He looks a little bit quicker. He looks a little bit faster in and out of his cuts. I mean, he's a similar type of runner as Kendall. He runs physically, so I think Zeus is in for another a solid year too. Um, but I just I think Kendall Milton's going to be too good to keep off the field, um, and that's just me. What about on defense? How you how do you feel about uh, the breakout player and who you look forward to seeing the most on defense this year? So. Most promising player, once again, don't feel like I'm breaking the bank on this one. It's the 6'6", 330-pound man clocking up the middle from Charlotte, by the yeah, way. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something to take note of. I think he might uh, have a little bit extra to play for in week one. Uh, preseason All-American first team, according to several riders. Second team on some others, but mm-hmm. you get the gist. He's, yeah. he's really good. Uh, I do think that – so the most sacks he's had in the season is two and a half. I would bet – a lot of money that he's going to overcome that this year and that seems to be his goal heading into the season the reason he didn't go last year one of the reasons he cited is he thinks he could still improve as far as pass rushing goes Love it. and so I think he could uh, make that step he's already I would say top two or three guys in the country as far as uh, clogging up the middle and stopping the run taking on blocks uh, and Dan Lanning uh, interestingly said he's looking for him to be a three-down guy this year, whereas in the past, he's only been in there most of the time on first and second down. If they can get his conditioning down to or to remain steady like it was in the uh, Cincinnati game, when you saw him hawking down running backs in the backfield, uh, then he's probably going to be out there for 90% of the snaps this year. Yeah. Uh, and I think that his presence alone is going to pr- produce some great statistical seasons for our edge rushers and for our linebackers because – I don't think that many OCs, if they're smart, are going to be running that ball up the middle with him right there. No, absolutely so not. it's going to cause them to do a lot of runs to the outside, and I think it's going to produce some great seasons for our guys on the outside. Um, yeah. What about you? Uh, for me, it's it's one of those guys on the outside. It, for me, it's Adam Anderson. I mean, I pulled some little analytical stats here for Adam. Um, he only played in 19% of possible defensive snaps last season. Um, out if you add it, take put together all the games that Georgia played last year, there was a total of 684 defensive snaps. Adam Anderson played in 130 of those snaps, 19%. In those 130 snaps, he had six and a half sacks with two forced fumbles. Mm. To put that into perspective, Aziz Ojolari, who was an All-American Sweet. last year, we felt like he was in the backfield every single play. Aziz Ojolari played in 395 defensive snaps, 58%, and had nine and a half sacks. So, I mean... <laughs> Give me Adam's again. Adam played in 19%, six and a half sacks. Mm. Aziz, nine and a half sacks in 58%. Wow. I think with Adam being a three-down linebacker this year, they've already mentioned they might play him at star a little bit and have him play some pass coverage. With Adam being a three-down linebacker, 
he is going to have double-digit sacks. I don't think there will be a single team that will be able to block him. He's going to be in the backfield every single play, making tackles all over the field, making tackles on the edge, sacking the quarterback, forcing fumbles in the backfield. The most sacks that Persons had in a season, in 2012, Jarvis Jones had 12 and a half. We remember that season, he had some Heisman votes. Yeah. Adam will have more. <laughs> Adam Anderson himself has said he's shooting for 20. I saw that, yeah. That's uh, <laughs> if, his, if his production doesn't taper off like he has here, he might get 20. Uh, it's going to be ridiculous, and I cannot wait to watch him because I, I think he's going to have an All-American season. I think he's going to play himself into the first round in next year's NFL draft just because of how well he's just going to get after the pass rush. Love so it. so next we have most exciting prospect or transfer. Uh, I'll let you uh, take a break there for a second. I'll, I'll give you mine. So uh, once again, I kind of cheated. I had two guys right here. For need, I put Darion Kendrick. Yeah. Six foot, six foot one, 190 pounds. Uh Former wide receiver, love that in a deep back because that means they have ball skills, uh, or at least more so than your average corner. It means he's probably more likely to turn his head <laughs> and not get that uh, flag thrown on him on those deep balls. And then uh, he has big game experience, which the goal here in this season at Georgia is to be playing in big games, and we're going to be playing one we know uh, at the very beginning of the season against Clemson. We know Florida's going to be a big game, and then hopefully we'll be playing in the SEC championship unless something catastrophic goes wrong, big game. And then we have playoff aspirations. So this guy's used to that pressure playing with Clemson for the last few years. And, I mean, you love to see that in a guy. And then as far as week one goes, I think it's just an interesting thing to note that he has plenty of practice experience going against those stud wide receivers that they have lining up on the outside, and that can only be an advantage. Um, but as far as for flash, I put Brock Bowers, six foot four, tight end uh, with four five forty, elite athleticism, yeah. the same catch, catch radius. But just with us already having Darnell and Fitzpatrick, uh, I don't think that's as big of a need for us, yeah. but it will, will be nice to have. Yeah, absolutely. So for me, with most promising newcomer slash fresh, freshman or transfer, I went kind of the similar path we went with who we're most excited to see. I went offense and defense. For me, had he been with the team, it was going to be Eric Gilbert on offense. I think Reed Gilbert, I mean, he was playing wide receiver. He was going to be a matchup problem. I think if he does come back and when he does come back, he will be a matchup problem. But until that time, for me, it's going to be Adonai Mitchell. Um, freshman, we, we really, really came on late in his recruiting. Um, we didn't offer him until July of 2020. We offered him on July, July the 12th. He committed to us on July the 13th and never looked back. Uh, so the fact that he committed showed out in the spring game. Yeah, I mean, showed out in the spring game. He was an early enrollee, which helped tremendously. I think it's been mentioned that from the day he stepped foot on campus, he's been working with JT, learning the routes, running the playbook. He already has great chemistry, as we saw in the spring game. JT hit him on a nice little back shoulder fade in the end zone, which he mossed somebody. I think he's going to be Let's a. I think he's going to be just a heavy, heavy weapon. For our offense early in the season, he's going to play in the rotation really, really early against Clemson. I'm going to predict he'll probably catch a touchdown against Clemson. I'm going to go ahead and say it. Love Looking it. forward to it. Hope you're right. Um, and then an honorable mention for me, kind of the same mold you went, is Brock Bowers. I mean, when the coaches talk about a player as often as they have Brock Bowers, it only means good things. They compared Arik Gilbert when he showed up on campus to Brock Bowers, saying that Arik Gilbert was similar to a Brock Bowers type Arik Gilbert, we already know what he is. We know he's a good player. So, like, if they're talking about Arik being like Brock Bowers, it just fires me up. Four or five tight end ball skills with Darnell possibly not playing on Saturday. I know tonight there's been kind of rumors that, oh, him and Tyke are both out of their walking boots because they'd be practicing. I'm going to go ahead and say they're not going to play. I think we're going to see Brock Bowers a lot. Well, and surely this season we'll see some two tight end sets yeah. with just the guys Absolutely. that we have out there. Yeah. So, Brock Bowers, definitely looking forward to seeing him. On defense, similar to what you said, it's Darion Kendrick, all-ACC transfer. Um, he's going to be a lockdown corner. I know you've already kind of mentioned everything about him, so I don't want to go into it any more deeper than that. Um, he's going to be awesome. It's going to lock down one side of the field like we haven't had since DeAndre Baker played for us. I think Keely Ringo is going to be tested, but I think Keely's up for the challenge. 
and I can't wait to watch our secondary grow throughout the season. And our honorable mention just for freshmen for me, it's going to be Smell Munden, um, four-star outside linebacker. Could be the next big one at the position for Georgia. Runs four or five, just freaky athlete from everything that anyone's been saying. So can't wait to watch him. Um, so kind of the only thing we have left to go over was kind of positions with some competition. I think the only positions really with any le- like open competition is the number two corner. We obviously know that Darion is slotted in. I mean, you don't transfer from Clemson and I mean, unless you know, unless you know you're going to play. Um, Kirby's kind of downplayed. Everybody's competing. Well, let's be honest. I mean, Darion's a starter. Um, and then we'll we keep going back to it. We both feel like Keeley's going to be the number two guy, and we've touched on him a lot. And we're really looking forward to seeing him. Other than that, it's just it's really the start no line. Um, there's really been it's mostly going to be just guys yeah. plugging in and playing. Yeah, I mean Salier um, probably going to be the left tackle. He's a guard by nature. Um, in the when he gets to the pros, he'll be a guard, um, but he'll probably slot in to be our left tackle against Clemson. You have Justin Schaefer, be a three-year starter. Was going to be Warren Erickson, but obviously he broke his snapping hand, so Cedric Von Prahn has taken over, and from all accounts has done phenomenal in practice since taking over. He'll probably be the starter for us center. And when you hear that out of practice going against R.D. Line, yeah, Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. That's important to note. Absolutely. And then you have the redshirt freshman, Tate Ratledge, local kid just from Darlington High School, just right down the road from us in Rome. Um, Really excited to see him. And then Warren McClendon. I mean, all of these guys, besides Von Prahn and Ratledge, obviously with them being redshirt freshmen, have, have experience. But Von Prahn and Ratledge, they're the two guys you hear the most talked about. I mean, and had, I mean we've both seen crazy stuff about Amarius Mims. Yeah. And oh, by the end the of the season, by the end of the season, Amarius Mims is going to play his way onto the field, whether it be right tackle or left tackle. By the Florida game, I would be shocked if Amarius He'll be Mims. somewhere and the guy in front of him will be on his butt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, number one offensive tackle in the country. He's like 6'6", like 340. I mean, the dude is a freak. Um, Can't wait to see him. I think he is going to be three and out. I mean, he's going to be a first-round, future first-round pick. I'm going to hype him up. I mean, it it is what it is. Everybody's talked about him for the last year since he committed to Georgia. But other than that, let's, let's get into the Clemson preview and the breakdown. So, obviously, we're playing Clemson this Saturday. Big game. It's going to be in Charlotte. In the, I think it's Ameritrade Stadium or whatever up there where the Panthers play. Um, Herb Street and Fowler are on the call. You know, anytime those two are on the call, it's a big game. Yep. Game 7:30. day, 7.30. Game day is going to be there. Um, right now, I think Clemson is a slight three-point favorite over us on Saturday night. Yeah, I've seen some um, threes and some 3.5s. It's, it's, it's went back and forth between the three and four range on every site I've seen for the last four months. So, obviously, people think Clemson is going to win. Um, but, I mean, we know what Clemson is at this point. They're a proven commodity. At this point, they don't rebuild. They reload. They're also up there every year at the top recruiting rankings. Dabo Sweeney runs a really, really, really great program. Front seven yeah. is ridiculous. Front seven is like ridiculous. Ours. I think it's us, Bama, and Clemson. Yeah. It's like contention for the – as the best front yeah. seven in college. Skill guys everywhere. Justin Ross is a freak. DJ Uyunglele, I think I said that right. Let's go with um, Obviously, he's going to be a solid quarterback. Um, but let's go ahead and get into it. What you, how you feel about Saturday night? So this might be just some naive optimism. Uh, I mean, and just that typical August talk going on. But I actually feel pretty confident going into the game. Uh, you know, we talked about DJ and how good he is. But I... I do think that he might be a little bit of a dip from Trevor Lawrence. Everybody's acting like he's going to just come in and just be the exact same guy. Yeah, and I think I, Trevor Lawrence was generational. I do think he what it was him and Andrew Luck are like the two prospects I think of. Him absolutely, I don't think there is a chance that this kid could be Trevor Lawrence. I mean, he could Dabo be. Said he I mean, had better arm talent than he, him, Taj Boyd, and Deshaun. But I mean, arm talent's one thing. Trevor Lawrence had arm talent, yeah. intangibles. Like every single box, Trevor Lawrence checked, and that's why he was from his freshman year. People were saying he should sit out. I've uh, seen hundreds of quarterbacks have a strong arm that that just didn't pan out. I think he's going to be incredible. I think he's going to be a future first round pick. All I'm saying is, I think it might be a dip from 
a generational QB like Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I do think that's a little bit of note. I know he did have two games last year, and he put up some good numbers. I do think that Notre Dame played Clemson in such a way to where he would get good numbers. I think they zoned in on the run because the reason Clemson had beat them in the last few years is because of how much they had been able to run the ball on them. So I think they were like, let's let DJ pass all over us. Let's key on key in on stopping ETN. And sure enough, ETN in both games that uh, Clemson played them, he had less than 50 yards on 20-plus carries. So that strategy worked for them. Yeah. Uh, and speaking of that, ETN is also uh, a loss for them. And yeah. he was arguably their second-best player, a first-round draft pick uh, as a running back. And I think that's going to be – a position that I don't think they've even definitively decided on heading into this week one matchup with us. I'm sure they're being Clemson, they're going to have a couple of talented guys back there, just saying they might not be ETN. Mm-hmm. Front seven, like I said, nasty. Wide receivers, nasty. Um, but I do think that this is the type of game where the game in the trenches might be what decides it. Yeah. And I... I personally believe that we have the advantage there because, like I said, both D-lines are incredible. But if you look at our offensive line versus theirs, I think you would maybe mark ours as good to very good. And I think you would honestly, it's surprising to say for a top program like Clemson, I think you would mark theirs as just average or mediocre. Mm -hmm. They did not have great offensive line play last year. No. Uh, In their big matchups, they were not able to run the ball. And that is with a guy like ETN, who was a first-round pick back there. And another guy like Trevor Lawrence who could take the ball and run back there. Mm -hmm. And they're also kind of small on the offensive line with like three out of the five guys coming in at under 300 pounds. I know that's crazy to say it's small, but just Mm -hmm. when you look at our D-line and how big we are, I think that's kind of important to note. Um, And I think that not only are we big and physical, but I think we're also really creative. And they've already touched on it in some of their – in some of their like – uh, meetings with the press, they talked about how good Georgia is at giving different presentations yeah. and how much we, you know, do switches on the D line and whatnot. So I would expect us to have, if we win, it's going to be because we're in the backfield all game long. I would expect if we win, it's going to be because we have four more sacks. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. Like we touched on, we know Clemson's going to be really, really solid. Um, we know what they are at this point. We know that they're a great football team. Um, they're going to be really solid up front. I mean, they have two game breakers at, on the defensive line. Brian Brzee, um, number one player in the class of 2020. Miles Murphy, number seven player in this class of 2020. Um, great pass rushers. I mean, what we have on defensive line, they have on defensive line. I think we have more depth. The and top I think, end. And I think we have a better offensive line. Than yeah, absolutely. So, I, I mean – yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and you touched on Travis Etienne not being there. I think that's the biggest loss they have, bar none. I mean, DJ Uyunglele is going to be a good quarterback, so I don't think their quarterback play is going to dip that much. But Travis Etienne was the type of running back who was, was a threat to break a 70-yard touchdown every single time he and touched the ball. receiver out I mean, of the backfield. Absolutely amazing receiver. I mean – I think the Jags were, before he got hurt this season, I think the Jags were going to play him at wide receiver because they had James Robinson, who was an all-pro. So, I mean, I think losing Travis Etienne is what honestly is the biggest thing for me. I think he is the one that every single time you pull up tape last year, he stands out. Um, You touched on their offensive line. The two games they lost last year, Notre Dame and Ohio State, they couldn't run the ball against either team. And Ohio State was absolutely all over Trevor Lawrence all night. I think that we're going to have a good chance to do the exact same thing to him on Saturday. We touched on Adam Anderson. We've, we haven't even touched on Nolan Smith. We've, you touched on Jordan Davis. I think our pass rush is going to have a really, really big chance to make an impact on the game. Um, Jalen's going to be back there. Trayvon's going to be yeah. back there. Julian's I mean, going to be back maybe there. Maybe force a fumble or two. Yeah. Maybe speed him. I mean – Speed him up. I mean, it. I mean, it's only his third career start. I mean, he started against Boston College. I mean, let's be honest. And he started against Notre Dame on the road. Notre Dame on the road. He. I mean, that's impressive that he played as well as he did when they were for focusing on him completely. I think they hit a couple big ones. I remember watching that game. I think he hit like one seventy-yard touchdown, one like sixty-yard touchdown. 
So a bunch of those yardage came on like two plays. I may have the stats wrong, but like I did mention, and I think I mean, went, he he did play incredible. But yeah. I do think that Notre Dame's game plan was to stop the run. And if I remember the stats correctly, I want to say it was something like twenty-two carries for forty-four yeah. yards or thirty-four yards. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't think I think we're going to be the best defense he's played since becoming a starter last year and his two chances at it. I think we're better than what Notre Dame was last year, and obviously we're better than Boston College. I look at us pass rushing to speed him up, maybe force a fumble or two on some strip sacks. I think we're going to force him into an interception, not because we played outstanding coverage, but because we just he had to throw it away so fast that he made the wrong decision. He is a young quarterback. It's, a, it's going to be a big game. Well, All eyes are on him. Like – I had mentioned this earlier, and I mean this. I mean this might not be the case at all, but I would look for Kirby to probably be a little bit more aggressive with the defense this year, just because this is the first time where we've had the type of offense where you can be aggressive. Yeah, uh, and so we might be sending. We're typically not a blitz heavy team. Mm-hmm. All the sacks that we get are coming from just the way that the play actually works yeah. out, not from designed blitzes. And so I think that we're going to see more of those this year and hopefully in this first We're year. going to be able to play some more complex zone coverages too because of how good our defensive line is. I think we're going to be able to stop the run with just our front three and maybe one backer inside. I don't think we're going to have to necessarily put seven, eight men in the box to stop their run, which means that we can drop five, drop six in the coverage. And, I mean, that's going to be tough for any quarterback to throw against. Um, one player I definitely do want to touch on um, – he was medically cleared. He didn't play at all last season, um, or he definitely wouldn't be at Clemson right now. Is Justin Ross. Yeah. Um, he is the one player on Clemson for sure that just absolutely terrifies me. Yeah, I mean, maybe not the one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one there's, there's, many, there's maybe a few. Uh, but, just, but I think if we lose, uh, yeah. which is, I mean, obviously very likely they're favored in the game, uh, but it's going to be because of their wide receivers versus our inexperienced mm-hmm. D-backs. Uh, I know our guys are talented, but just as far as games uh, played and reps, uh, they're a little bit lacking in that uh, regard. So I think if we win, it's going to be because of the way we played in the trenches. And if they win, it's going to be because of the way that they played on the outside. Yeah, so absolutely. I can see them, particularly Ross, having a, a multi-touchdown game just on yeah. some big plays, maybe some communication errors uh, in that inexperienced feedback group. Yeah. Um, I mean, you touched on Darion Kendrick. I mean, he's – He's known for playing in big games. Justin Ross definitely is too. I mean, just look It'll at be the, fun to see those two guys going against each yeah. other when I'm sure they've went against each other plenty of times in practice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just look at these stats right now. In 2018, as a freshman, he had 46 catches for 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns, and a 21.7 yard per catch. In 2019, he had 66 catches for 865 and eight touchdowns. I mean, that is just absolutely crazy productivity. I think he'll probably have a season similar to that as provided he can stay healthy. Um, but, I mean, that's really all there is to it. We've touched on the big points. If they're going to beat us, they're going to have to make plays on the outside. I think for us to beat them, we're going to have to grind it out. I think we're going to make some explosive plays, Adonai Mitchell. We're gonna, I think we're going to have a couple explosive runs. Um, and then we're just going to be able to grind it out. I really think we can run the ball on them consistently late in the game maybe so not what, early what do you think the score's going to be or if you had to make a guess I mean so it seems like you're obviously you're taking us to win yeah uh, I think that we're going to win the game I think we're going to make some explosive plays I, like I said I think we're going to force DJ into a couple um, turnovers maybe a fumble and an interception somewhere along the lines there I'm picking us to win the ball game 38 to 27 okay and I think if we beat Clemson on Saturday night the hype train is just going to be off the charts rolling through the rest of the regular season. I was more confident going into this podcast, uh, but as I was taking notes, I kept getting a little bit more anxious. Uh, I do think that we'll win. Uh, I mean, obviously we could play them again in the playoff either yeah. way, uh, and the result could be different. Because I do think that these, when you match up two teams like this, sometimes it could go either way unless it's un- just like an, a convincing blowout. It's a shame that one of these two teams have to start 0-1. Yeah. But that's what we but, love about these matchups. Yeah, and I mean, most people uh, say that a loss for either team isn't going to derail their season. No. I do think that if we lose to them and then did lose to Bama or A&M in the mm-hmm. SEC Championship, that there's no way that we no. would get in with having our two biggest games be losses. And for them, I do think people are trying to play it down for them, but we're really the only tough game on their schedule, including the SEC Championship. So I do think that if 
it came down to an undefeated team from maybe the Big 12 or the Pac-12 uh, versus a Clemson who's an ACC champion but lost their only tough game. I think that can make things interesting. Yeah. Anyways, I, I'm getting a little distracted. I think Georgia, I would pick 31 to 28, somewhere in that ballpark. Uh, I think both front sevens are too talented for it to be 40s, 50s scoring game. But with this type of, uh, just, I guess, weapons yeah. for both teams, you got to figure that they're going to score, find ways to score. And I think they'll. I think when Clemson scores, it's going to be off explosive plays on the outside, like I said, against our inexperienced Steve X. And I think when we score, it's going to be a little bit more methodical. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you can hope, right, to be in the season. So yeah. I, I'm so, going to go with the hopeful. I'm typically a negative Nancy. I'm going to go with the hopeful outlook. Yeah. I want to say that we win, start off our season great, and uh, cruise on along. Absolutely. I love it. It's still, would you say 30 is the magic number? If we score 30 points, we win the game? No. Well, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I mean, we know the type of weapons that they have on the outside. And, I mean, we touched on DJ being worse than Trevor, but, I mean, so is every other quarterback for the last five years. Yeah. Uh, so he's still elite, and, I mean, he can still put up points. But, I, I mean – I feel good if you score 30, but I'm not going to – I'm just not going to put a guarantee on it. Okay. Uh, I like it. And I do think something else just – I want to throw out – this is the first year that we've went in with out of QB controversy that I can remember. Yeah. Uh, even in Fromm's second year after he led us to the national championship, that was the year of Justin Fields. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, last year you had the whole fiasco with Noonan. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, uh, with Dwan and his horrific play and then Stetson coming in and then yeah. JT finally – coming in the season and I think that gives a good bit of continuity for everybody on the offensive unit I think that makes it easier on the coaching staff I think Mocken caused some incredible plays last year but for the first half of the year we didn't have a QB to take advantage of it mm-hmm. I know JT played against some crappy defenses at the end of last year but if you look at the, at the eye test all this guy had to do was hit these five star like studs on the outside and that's what he did those guys were open he made the right throw and threw it to him and got it to him, like perfectly dropped an egg in the basket. Our QBs in the past have not been able to do that to the level that he showed in those five games. I don't care who you're going against. If you're throwing into tight windows and hitting it, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Yeah, That's just ball placement and accuracy yeah. right there. And, and he showed that at an elite level. And I think that might play a bigger factor than a lot of people are yeah. uh, giving credit to, in particularly in this first game. Yeah, so I'm just going to put it out there. I've got money on JT to win the Heisman. Um, I've, I've placed the bet. I've locked it in. Hopefully, it falls through for me. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to following the storyline. Speaking of betting, gambling, um, what we like to do at the end of each podcast, if you're a constant listener, is make the point and make the predictions against the spread for all the other games in the SEC that week. Um, these odds are according to FanDuel, um, up to date as of Sunday, August 29th, at the time we've recorded this. So subject to change. Yeah, and just before we get started, just let's do a recap last year. I can't remember the exact numbers, but I did come out on top on that, right? Yeah, I believe okay. you did. I did not do well, but okay, that's one I just thought I was making. It's, it's a new season. Right. It's a new season, and we're gonna do better this year. My wallet needs it. So, starting off uh, Thursday night, opening opening night in the SEC, um, we've got Bowling Green against the new look Tennessee Volunteers. Um, Tennessee's the new look is not good. Yeah, Tennessee is favored in this game by thirty-four and a half points, and I'm just going to go go ahead and say it: there is no chance that they're going to win by thirty-four and a half. I don't think that they're going to stop a soul this season, including Bowling Green. Uh, I'm gonna, I want to take Bowling Green as well, but uh, I mean, yeah. I, I think Tennessee has a chance. But I mean, their win, their projected wins, at least on FanDuel, that I saw was six. Yeah. And I just don't think there's... Yeah, I think Bowling Green definitely covers 35 uh, Uh, pretty safely. Okay. Yeah, we're in agreement there. Next one is uh, Louisiana Monroe uh, at Kentucky, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, That's a spread of 30 and a half? I've got Kentucky. Yeah, Yeah, Kentucky's a solid defense. They're going to be a good team. Kentucky covers. Yeah, agreement. Uh, I think Kentucky has a chance to be the second-best team in the ACC East this year. Uh, I think they 
have a great play on both sides of the line. So, yeah, I would, I would say them to cover that. Next, we got Rice at Arkansas. Arkansas is favored by 19.5, and I like them to cover that point spread. Uh, Sam Pittman's doing a great job there. He's going to keep it rolling and definitely uh, beat them by 20 points. An agreement again. I just, I mean, this first week, it's mostly these teams against some cupcakes. Yeah. Uh, and most of the time, they end up covering these gaudy spreads. Yeah. So. I think it's going to be a recurring theme throughout the rest of these picks. Next, we've got Central Michigan at Missouri. Missouri's favored at home by 13.5. I think Missouri's going to cover that pretty safely. I think Missouri is going to uh, exceed all expectations for their season this year. I'm a lot higher on them than I think a lot of people are. I said that I think Kentucky has a chance for the second spot in the East. I think Florida does too. But if I were having to gun to my head, make a bet, I think I would actually pick Missouri. And I know that's crazy, but I think they have a stud for a QB. I think they have great guys on the outside. I love their head coach. Uh, and I think they definitely covered this in the first yeah. week. So. Next up, we got Louisiana Tech at Mississippi State. Mississippi State is favored by 23.5 points. I think Louisiana Tech's going to cover that. I don't think Louis, uh, Mississippi State's going to beat them. I think Mississippi State wins, but not quite by 24 points. I'm going to agree with you there, too. Just, uh, I'm just, I haven't heard much about Mississippi State going into the season. I, uh, I think Ole Miss is going to be great. Arkansas, I think, is going to exceed expectations. Alabama, LSU, same with them. Uh, I just, I think. I see Mississippi State taking a step back this year. Uh, and although I do see them winning, I don't see them covering the spread. Yes, sir. Next up, we got Akron at Auburn. Auburn is favored by 36.5 points at home. Um, I don't know anything about Akron. I'm not going to sit here and act like I do. But I've heard in years past that they were considered like the worst team in FBS football. Um, so I'm going to take Auburn just having heard that. From what I hear, I think they have one guy that their team revolves around. And I think that that guy is either, is like possibly facing some charges oh or gosh. he might be injured. Uh, oh, gosh. I hate if he's just injured that I alluded that he might be under charges. Uh, but it was something to the fact that he might be missing some of the season. Oh, yeah. uh, and I think that they're typically like a 1-9, or I mean 1-11 kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Auburn. Yeah, absolutely. Eastern Illinois at South Carolina and Eastern Tennessee State University at Vandy. Both do not have betting lines on FanDuel. Um, so, we're, I mean, we both, Vandy and South Carolina, we both feel like they're going to win. So, we can just pick that and just say that. Yeah. Um, FAU at Florida. Florida is minus 24 and a half. Um, breaking in Emory Jones at quarterback. First, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast. New look Florida team without Kyle Trask. I do think they get off to a good start and beat FAU by more than 24 and a half. Yeah, I think they'll cover this actually pretty easy. Yeah. So, so next we got Kent State at Texas A&M. Texas A&M is favored by 29 and a half points, and I think A&M covers that. I actually think A&M has a very, very good shot at coming out of the West this year over Alabama. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and pick A&M here. Uh, I do think that... This is A&M's best chance at winning the West. I do think Alabama will ultimately uh, get that uh, taken care of. Uh, I'll just trust and accept him in that every time. But I do think that they're going to be out for blood this year, particularly to start the year. Uh, I'm going to take them to win probably by more than 40. Yeah. So next we got a, a pretty decent um, out-of-conference matchup. We've got LSU coming off a, a pretty down year after their national championship. Favored by three and a half points on the road in the Rose Bowl against UCLA. Um, I've honestly went back and forth with this just because knowing how bad LSU was last year on defense, um, there's a lot of hype around UCLA this year. But ultimately, I do think LSU is going to bounce back and win this game by more than three and a half points. I think it'll be like 10 points or something like that. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll take them to cover. Um UCLA had a pretty convincing win against Hawaii the other day. It is Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, so you don't know how much stock to put in that. Uh, so I'm just going to go with the SEC bias pick on this and know how our uh, you know conference tends to stack up in these uh, kind of opening week games. Um, and I think that they're going to deliver for us. Yeah, absolutely. I so, say for us as if I'm some typical like SEC homer when I'm actually not that way uh, at all. But so, I do think that they'll uh, – 
So next we can get into Louisville at Ole Miss. I think they're playing this game on a Sunday night, um, the night after we play. Ole Miss is favored by nine and a half. Um, What do you think on that? Uh, I'm going to take Ole Miss to cover on this. I think Ole Miss uh, will have another incredible offense this year Mm -hmm. under Lane Kiffin. Um, I would be utterly shocked if they didn't at least put up 40 in this game. Uh, and I think that offensive firepower is just going to take them to win by uh, more than double digits. Yeah, absolutely. I love Lane Kiffin. I lo- he's a, a tremendous follow on Twitter. If you have Twitter and don't follow him, I recommend it. He's hilarious. Uh, Matt Corral, first team All-SEC over JT Daniels. Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> but, <laughs> well, I mean, he, he he's a great quarterback. Numbers, I'm just uh, kidding. He did put up some yeah. crazy numbers. He will again this year, and he will again in this game which is why I'm taking Ole Miss to cover the nine and a half. Uh, finally, we have the Peach, the Chick-fil-A kickoff bowl in Atlanta. We have Alabama favored by 18 and a half points over Miami. Um, I've learned to not pick against Alabama. Um, they were favored by 49 points last year. I was like, there's no way that they cover 49. I think they won by like 60. I mean, at this point, I'm just going to pick Alabama until I start getting it wrong. Yeah, Alabama's going to win. I think and cover. Miami actually has a really good team this year, and you know, if I was just to think about this purely logically, I think I could talk myself into Miami, uh, like covering this spread right here. But just knowing, I'm just going to rely on the Bama brand and what they always do, and I'm going to say that they cover. Yeah, absolutely. Just the philosophy. If you are a gambler. Pick Bama until they prove you wrong. That's that's it. that's it for me. You're gonna win a lot of money. Though. You're gonna win a lot of money. So so that's gonna do it with our picks. That's gonna do it with the picks against the spread, and that's gonna do it for this week's podcast. Um, we're both super excited to get back to doing this this year. We're both super excited that it is finally game week for the Georgia Bulldogs. It's gonna be a really special season. I think we both agree on that. We're really looking forward to watching the team this year, and we're really looking forward to watching them open up the season against Clemson on Saturday night and hopefully pull out a big win in Charlotte. But Yeah, please uh, subscribe to the podcast. Give us a follow. Uh, follow our page on Twitter. We're also going to be making an Instagram page, uh, so follow us on there. Uh, we'll, uh, try to be, uh, we'll try to make a lot of posts other than just uploading the podcast. We'll try to be a little bit more involved on that this year. Uh, but yeah, make sure to subscribe and uh, give us a follow on those platforms so you can know when our episodes come out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we will be back this time next week to break down the outcome of the Clemson game, where we thought we did well, where we thought we did wrong, and hopefully a Georgia win. And we will preview what we can against the next game, which will be the home opener against University of Alabama at Birmingham. So um, looking forward to that. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs.